Welcome to today's episode of Lending Made Easy. This is Mitch Woods, and I've got Brian Peckinpah and David Candelano here with me. And today we're going to talk about a new digital lending trend, maybe not so new, actually, but the idea of buy now, pay later. I was just buying a new pair of gym shoes yesterday, and I had three or four different options to use buy now, pay later that seemed a little bit easier, actually, than entering my credit card information on the website. And I started to think about that and said, should a bank or a credit union be concerned about buy now, pay later? And is it problematic for those consumer lenders? Should they be worried about their consumer or their credit card portfolio? So that's really my question for you all today. David, I'll start off with you. So should a bank or a credit union be concerned with this influx of buy now, pay later on all of these websites that we're seeing day in and day out for online shopping? So I would say if a bank is heavily into credit, debit, or prepaid cards, they should be concerned. And I think your experience with the buy now, pay later shoe purchase was spot on with respect to what buy now, pay later is designed to do. So it's designed to provide consumers with seamless purchasing, which is, I think, what you what your experience, convenience, transparency, flexibility, and then increased online sales. So it's built just for those use cases and it's growing rapidly. So there's like a 10 to 15 times growth rate over its current volume. And this is from CB Insights, by the way, I did a little research on this. So it'd be interesting to, to pull some data together. It's gonna top 1 trillion in sales by 2025. So you're thinking that's a big number. Well, today, credit, debit, and prepay cards are 8 trillion. So it's 1 trillion by 2025. Today, sales are 8 trillion using cards. So I think they're making a pretty good dent in the space. So if you're a bank and you're or credit union and you're focused on credit, debit, prepay cards, then that is that is something you need to pay attention to because they're very much coming for that volume. Brian, what are your thoughts? Well, my first thought is I want to know what shoes Mitch bought. I, I picture him as a as an Air Max guy. I don't know. That's what I <laughs> that's what I think he was going after. But it, I, you know, is it a risk to the financial institutions? Sure, in that it's like a lot of the other fintech startups and that it's cannibalizing part of the traditional banking business by going after those uh, historical consumer card type purchases. I also think it's a, a fantastic opportunity for financial institutions, right? Because part of this is you got to think about do we as the banking community want all of these transactions? Because I'm going to guarantee you that we probably don't. This buy now, pay later is not a new concept. There's been layaway for probably longer than any of us on this podcast has been alive. And there there are stores that are dedicated to this where they tend to target lower income families, less financially literate people. They're charging usually significantly higher interest rates and taking advantage of the lack of financial literacy of the general public. So from that perspective, I think it's, again, a fantastic opportunity. The banking business is built on trust. It is built on the expertise in financial literacy and the place where you can go and have somebody help you through some of the larger purchases in your life, investment decisions in your life. And I think this is a growing area to look at from consumer finance behavior. A lot of us can get in trouble with credit cards, but you can only get in so much trouble, assuming they don't continue to just forever increase your available credit on your credit card. But it has a set limit to it, right, where you're now relying on this multitude of buy now, pay later, fintechs to 
potentially keep you out of trouble. And that's not good. That's not good for their bottom line. They're not financial services companies. They are transaction companies. But is there going to be a model in that space where these providers are going to take a customer centric customer financial health perspective on it? Or is it just how much of your credit and future payments can I get? Am I going to try to keep you out of crippling debt when I don't just go buy one pair of shoes, I turn into a sneakerhead and I buy 20 pairs of Air Max at $225 a pop across, you, you mentioned four or five different options. Are they all talking to each other? Or are they all going to identify that I've got thousands of dollars in shoe debt? I don't know. And <laughs> what does that look like going forward? Thousands of dollars in shoe debt. I could see that being possible. But I think the original question was, are these are buy now pay later companies taking a bite out of the credit card business? And the data would say yes. Now, mm -hmm. is that the type of borrowing we want? Is that the type of borrower we want? I guess if you're in that business, you've issued a card to somebody, they were good when you issued it, and you're keeping track of that, then potentially some of that business goes away. You're in it. And if somebody chooses to buy their sneakers through a buy now pay later option, then that's you lose on that. So <laughs> there's no free lunch. Somebody's going to pick up this sale. And I suggest that these people are making a pretty good dent. No question about it, right? And they'll continue to, I would imagine. I, how much do they continue beyond what I can do by linking a, another payment provider? So what I could do with a PayPal, as an example, linked to my my financial institution relationship, do I use that as my primary purchaser because you can get a similar buy now pay later by linking paypal to your credit card and i just have a consistency across platform instead of i use one provider to buy my shoes i will use one provider to buy my guitars david for <laughs> <laughs> although i don't know that you're going to go out and buy a bunch of guitars at this point but it certainly will take a bite out but I would rather look see us focus on that consumer behavior, use it to drive, like I said, the financial literacy and think about it more for them, the perspective of how do I target that uh, underbanked, probably typically young or lower income individual and turn them into a fully banked customer because mm -hmm. uh, it gets be, you know, the, a lot of, I think, the buy now, pay later crowd are probably those who are pre-credit card. Maybe I'm younger, wanting to buy that that new pair of Air Maxes. I don't have a credit card to pay it. But when I go to check out on Nike.com, there's this button to click for a buy now, pay later provider. Hey, this is awesome. I don't have any credit. I don't maybe know any better. Let me take advantage of that. How, do, as a financial institution, do we go about attracting those underbanked or non-banked customers that probably are the ones, but David, to your point, getting more into that buy now, pay later space. Mm -hmm. it, it does seem like some of these buy now, pay later lenders are offering point of sale financing as well. So a firm is an example, and they make the claim that their proprietary credit underwriting model approves 20% more customers on average than comparable competitor products. So it'll be interesting to see how a firm's portfolio handles the next 12 to 15 months, 24 months. It's going to be interesting to see if it's if it's rigorous and robust enough to make it through that because we're seeing consumer weakness across the board. And if you're getting really aggressive with underwriting just to build your portfolio, that, that it doesn't bode well when the consumer doesn't do well. Possibly you know, you, dodging a bullet. 
possibly a bullet dodge from our the bank side. Yeah, and first of all, they weren't Air Maxes. I'm a CrossFit guy, so there were some Reebok Nanos, the newest ones that just came out. But I think you brought up a really interesting point that a financial institution's model isn't transactional. It's really based on that relationship and building trust. And so do you all see this as more and more people are using this buy now, pay later? It's taking a little bit of a bite out of that debit card, credit card interchange fee income that banks and credit unions can tap into some of that data and use that and maybe in some of their personal credit underwriting to help build some of that financial literacy, to use that data that these other companies are collecting to be able to issue credit and start building those relationships for maybe the underbanked or unbanked clients that are out there. We should definitely be thinking about it. We talked about AI. That's where this gets into play of non-traditional credit decisioning. That's in a lot of instances what allows, as David was mentioning, an affirm to have a differentiator on the approval. They're approving on different metrics than a traditional financial institution might. Is it worth exploring? Absolutely. We should certainly be looking at how do we capture this, fend off some of the attacks to our traditional markets. I would just rather see us do it from that perspective of overall financial literacy, overall service of the underbanked and non-banked, and how do we get our names associated with that initial purchase potential, whether that's partnering with retailers, partnering with fintechs that, that offer more of the transaction process, not the decisioning and eventual finance. Because you're right, that data is incredibly valuable, understanding those behaviors, using that to identify future potential profitable banking customers would be awesome to have in our overall data sets. I also think that a, if I'm a banker, like the CEO or COO or chief lending officer, go out and buy a pair of sneakers and use one of these buy now, pay later experiences to do it and get a sense of what you're competing with. Mm -hmm. And then compare that to what it would take you know, for a similar interaction at your bank. Maybe it's using a credit card could be as simple as putting the credit card in and buying a second pair of shoes and comparing and contrasting that experience um, and just see what you're up against. Yeah, well, great discussion, guys. I think that there's a lot that's going on out there in the marketplace that is really competing against the traditional banking model. And I think this is a one to David, to your point earlier, that's taking a pretty big bite without people really realizing it. So great topic today. Great discussion. Appreciate the point of view from each of you. So with that, we will say goodbye for now on this episode of Lending Made Easy and tune in next time.